maybe yesterday you watched King Charles III be coordinated and crowned King of England. All the pomp and circumstance, the crowds in the streets, the soldiers, the horses, the gold, the jewels, the diamonds. But it's nothing compared to the morning I step foot in the throne room of heaven and his train fills the temple and the angels, ah, oh, they carry saying, holy, holy Lord God almighty who was and is and is to come. I want you to imagine yourself as you stand with every nation, every kindred, every kind, every tongue, every people from everywhere that there will be no oh, sadness. The tears will be gone. The pain will leave you. And there is a king that's above every king and his name is Jesus. Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ. And he is holy this morning. Uh, can you make him holy in your life today? Come on. Uh, can you be rambunctious about holiness today? Uh, time before you're seated can you just lift your hands and say father you are holy jesus you are holy father i pray in the name of jesus that you lord would be holy in my life that you would let my mind be holy that you let my walk be holy that you let my thoughts be holy that you would allow me to work for your kingdom in the spirit of holiness oh yeah yeah thank you jesus thank you jesus Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. At the end of our service today, Today is the first Sunday of the month of May, and here at Pineview, we celebrate communion on the first Sunday of every month. At the end of our time together today, in just a few moments, I'm going to be offering communion. Actually, Pastor Safan's going to come and close our service with communion today. And I pray today that your position in Christ no matter what week you've had, month you've had, year you've had, no matter how you fell down, Christ is here to pick you up. He's here to make you holy, not in your sight, but in his sight. And how does he... How does he do that? He does it through the breaking of his body and the blood that he shed on Calvary. He loves you. Make yourself available to his holiness today by saying, Lord, I don't have much to offer, but Lord, I offer you my life as a living sacrifice. And Lord, I thank you because you are holy. If you believe that today, can you give him a thunderous clap of thanksgiving and praise today? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 8, the Bible says, my text will be, Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and the Bible says, and God will generously provide all you need. Everybody say, Gen someone say generously. 
Someone shout, all I need. Then you, everybody say, that's me, will always, someone shout always, always. Woo, have what? Everything you need. And what? Plenty left over to share with others. Everything that I need. If God will provide for the sparrow, if God will provide for the slug, the ant, he's going to provide for you, his child, in the kingdom. If you believe that, shout amen. Now, you may be seated in the name of the Lord. Today, I want to talk to you a continuation of a series that we are in here at Pineview about the blessed life. Everybody say the blessed life. Oh, come on, shout it like you're mad at the kids. Come on, the blessed life. Oh, some people don't have kids. I can see that, right? Come on, the blessed life. Woo, that's right. Amen. We believe that God has designed us for a blessed life. How many of you think that Christ came, died, rose again, when all that he planned, all the things from the law, from Genesis to the book of Revelation, from the law to grace, how many believe that he did all that so you could live miserably? Come on now. He came that you might have what? Life. And life what? More abundantly. In this moment, in this time, I hope that you will see through the smoke screen of the enemy. In the last days, perilous times will come. So don't be surprised at the signs of the time. How many are still praying with John, the Apostle John? Lord Jesus, come quickly, I pray. Amen. We are all in a place... But in the midst, as Brother Stefan, as Pastor Stefan preached a couple, a word from God a couple weeks ago about blessing in the broken kingdom. Today I want to talk to you about the blessed life. Everybody say the blessed life. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, we read in our text in chapter 9. But I'm going to take you back to chapter 8 and go to chapter 9. He's writing to the church in Corinth. The letter that he wrote to them is believed to have been written somewhere in A.D. 55 or 57. We know that based on the other missionary journeys that he went on. And this was his third missionary journey. This letter that we are reading today was one of the most personal here in chapter 8 and chapter 9. Personal and intimate writings of the Apostle Paul. If you read the Second Corinthians, uh, these chapters, you're going to see that Paul gets very plain about some things, about his own life, about what's going on in the churches. So this letter is an important letter for you and I to be a part of, to integrate into our life. He was sharing his heart, his struggles with the Corinthians as he traveled the world on his missionary journeys. The historical and cultural context of Corinth, my wife and I have had the privilege of standing in the streets of Corinth, of being in the city of Corinth, and all that is there, it's all rubble, it's all in disrepair, but it's such a powerful history because Paul walked those streets and those streets were full of sin. They were full of debauchery. They were full of things that are unseemly. and un You think that our world has gone crazy now. I've got news for you. Paul's world was going just as crazy back then. We find today that Corinth was a prosperous city. It was a city uh, in Greece. It was a city that was strategically located between two oceans. It was a very interesting spot. And that spot made it a central, important part of of a hub of commerce and of trade and all of the travel it seemed to go through from one continent to the next from the european continent to a europe to an asian continent it was a very strategic place on the map it was full of people from every nation every kindred every kind every tongue it was full of different religions and different ideas and different things this made Corinth very special to Paul because he was winning souls from the pit of hell. I stood in Corinth and on an ancient sign, it is translated for you, you see in rough writing, do not stay in Corinth very long or you will become a Corinthian. The, the, the adage is this, is that if you stay here, you will be corrupted like those that live here. We find today 
that Corinth is in rubble, but the word of God is still standing the test of time. The city was characterized by great wealth and diversity and differencing of religions. And the church in Corinth was a reflection of that city. It was also diverse and it was also very, very uh, uh, different in religious backgrounds of the people that came. In chapter 8, Paul presents the example of a church not far away in Macedonia. Macedonia was another region not too far who despite their hardships and despite their poverty were what they were remarkably generous in chapter 8. I'm going to read it to you in a moment. There was a great need in Jerusalem. The need was so great that those that were in the church were starving. They were dying. They were in great trouble and tribulation in that moment. And though the Macedonians were poor, they still found importance in others' needs. He encourages the Corinthians here in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, to excel in a spirit of generosity. Someone shout generosity. He emphasized the sacrificial giving of Jesus Christ and ultimately he tells us about the selfless act of love that Christ made for you and I by dying on Calvary. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus? Well, that was four of you. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus? We find in chapter 9, Paul stresses the importance of a cheerful and generous giving. He uses metaphors, and we're going to read about them, in sowing and reaping. And he tells us that there is a life, a blessed life to receive. He emphasizes it is God who does all of the giving. But he entrusts us to live that blessed life and be generous with others. So let's look closely at what Paul is writing here and let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. I want you to look at how God's kindness was brought through others. How many believe that God could have come down and rained gold on their head if he wanted to? Amen. How many believe that he could have created diamonds to come up out of the ground? But that's not the way our God works. He had to wrap himself, what, in, in, in swaddling clothes and lay himself in a manger and present himself a living sacrifice to, why? Because there was a covenant made. There was a place that a promise must be fulfilled. A prophecy must come to pass. And so it is here in this particular place where God uses a church. Everybody say a church. The Macedonian churches, he used them to show kindness to others. Now let's look at verse 1. Now he writes, I know, uh, now what I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through, everybody say through, the churches in Macedonia. They were being tested, they, he's talking about the Macedonians, were being tested by what? Many troubles, and they are very poor. But, someone shout but, but they were also filled with abundant joy. I want you to hear this this morning. This is a very important message today because I want to change your outlook from looking at the things of this world to the things of the other world called heavenly places. I want you to change your perspective from here to there because God wants to bring something to you and it's called abundant joy. There Everybody say their troubles and their what? Their poorness did not stop them. But they were also, not they didn't just have troubles and were poor, but there was something else that was in their life. They were filled with abundant joy, which has overflowed in rich generosity. Now, I want you to uh, look at this in, here in the, in, the, in the scriptures where he's trying to compel us to realize that there can be two things at once. You can have joy in the midst of your trials. You can have joy in the midst of your financial difficulties. You can have joy in the, when the world is coming apart. Because joy is not happiness. Joy is a position where I say, God is in control. And I know because He's in control, everything's going to be alright. I may not know how, but I serve the God that can. And so I'm going to have joy in the morning. 
The joy, the scripture says, of the Lord is my strength. There has to be a place where you get to uh, that the world does not dictate what you believe about God. Mm. Your situation cannot dictate uh, what you believe in your faith towards Jesus Christ. Why? Because we are not in this world just to be here and die. And, and No, we are of another world. Hello, somebody. Uh, and that world uh, is someplace called heaven. Today we find that it is here we learn that you can do two things at once. For I can testify, verse 3 says, Paul writes, that they gave not only of what they could afford, but what? But for far more. Everybody shout far more. And they did it of their own free will. Say that with me. And they did it of their own free will. It's important here today to realize that the blessings of God, living a blessed life, is not from command. It's not from uh, a pressure from somebody. It's not from threats that you're going to hell if you don't do it. Uh, it's from a place where I'm going to have joy in my life and I'm going to give out of my... I may be poor, I may be going through trouble, but I'm going to give to others so that I might too uh, find blessing and live in this blessed life. Paul says, I testify, I verify. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did of their own free will. Giving cannot be right before God and righteous before God when it's done with a disgruntlement or with a frustration or with a pressure or with like, I've got to do it because everybody else is doing it. Let me tell you something. There is joy in giving to the house of God, the kingdom of God, and the people of God. Someone say amen. So we look and see, look at what verse 4 says here. Uh, it's, I love this, uh, I love the New Living Translation here. He says, they begged us again and again. Here it is, for the what? Privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Uh, it's, it's interesting to see that they didn't want to just give once, but the blessing that came from that made them say to them, hey, we gave once, God bless, we want to give some more so that God will continue his blessing. They were asking for the privilege. So many times we do not see partnering with the kingdom of God as a privilege. Today I'm here to tell you that God's grace is a gift, but you ought to thank God and be privileged that he gave it to you of free accord. Because the privilege that you have to worship. Do you understand today that there's worlds around us? We don't sometimes realize how important it is that we have freedom to worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Nobody in this house today did not lift their hand for fear of government interference. Nobody in this house today wondered if there was an agent among us that might turn us in and cause us problem. Why? Because I'm thankful that we live in a place that while we might have diminishing all kinds of stuff and crazy all kinds of stuff, at least I know that I can worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. In verse 5 it says, They even did more than what we hoped. For their first action was to give themselves. Here it is. Uh, this is the, there's a, a path. There's a line of, of understanding here I want you to get. The Macedonians were in trouble. They were poor. But they had joy. And out of their joy, they gave richly in generosity. Right? But, and, and not only did they give of generosity and, and, and overflowing richness of, of what they had, they also did it, not just with joy, but they did it of their own free will. But they didn't just do it of their own free will. They knew they were privileged to do it. You see, there's a mindset that has to come into our spirits about giving back to God. There's a mindset that says, I need the blessings of God. Now look, I'm not here to tell you that if you don't give, God's not going to bless you because his promises are sure and amen. But there's a difference between being blessed and living in blessed. 
Uh, I'm going to say it again. There's a difference between being blessed and living in blessed. Living in blessed is someplace where now I have authority not just over things that I need, but I have authority over what? I have authority over demons. I have authority over sickness and disease because God has declared blessed. Amen? So there is a place of understanding. And then it says in verse 5, they did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord. Their first action, everybody say first. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say it's first. You cannot give, right? Listen, you cannot give of abundance. You cannot give out of generosity. You cannot give out of privilege or free will if you don't first give yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a generous a spirit that would love to be among us. And, and you as a church, you, are, you do so much and we do so much. But the Lord spoke to me in the last few weeks about this. And I want to just help us to push beyond the norm and push into the glory of God and the blessing, living in the blessing. So we find that in these verses, we experience abundant joy among the trials and poverty. And faith allows us to live in overflowing generosity beyond our means prioritizing what God's kingdom in my life we also find in verse 6 through 8 that there is a call to excel in giving and in true genuine love watch this so we have urged Titus Titus was a person that Paul was traveling with and was up, uh, raising up in, in his uh, understanding of God, who encouraged your giving in the first place to return to you and encourage you, here it is, read it with me, to what? Finish this ministry of giving. He went back because sometimes we give and we give in a place where it's important. We're all excited because it's something that we believe in. But life and things can sometimes make you forget the passion with which you are giving. And Titus was sent to do one thing. And that was to help them remember the thing they were giving for. Jerusalem needed their help. We find here that in verse 7, since you excelled in so many ways, in your faith, in your gifted speakers, in your knowledge, in your enthusiasm, and your love, right? For us, I want you to also excel in this gracious act of giving. Verse 8, I am not commanding, read it with me, I am not commanding you to do this. Hear me, Paul, the Apostle Paul, the prince of the churches, he was saying to them, do not do this because I am Paul saying it to you. Do not do this because you think you're going to get good in good with me because if I see your name on a roll, oh boy, those people gave. No, that's not. He said, I am not commanding you to do this. You see, in the New Testament, we live by a different thing. It's called grace. Someone shout grace. Somebody say, thank God I'm not under the law. Did you hear me? John writes and says that, that by Moses came the law, but what? By Jesus Christ came the gift of grace, the spirit of grace, that we can live in a more abundant. The law has been fulfilled. It is no longer our judge. So we don't give because we're going to be punished. We don't give because we are going to be in some way, uh, God's going to throw us in hell. And whatever you might have heard throughout your life, we give because it's a privilege. We give because he loved me first. We give because it's the greatest return I can have on my money. Because my money is helping propel the gospel, which will keep people out of hell and people in heaven. So we don't give because we have to. We give because we want to. We give out of abundance. Even though we're poor and having trouble, it did not stop the Macedonian church from understanding that they wanted to live in the blessed life. So we find here, it's a call. Everybody shout, it's a call. We've got to continue. We can't stop what we started, right? Uh, it, it's, it's important uh, in, in all the areas that we give, whether it be in India. And please, please, please pray for the group in India. There is much trouble in India right now. And we are having a very hard time 
finishing the orphanage that we have been building because we cannot get the money uh, to them. The banks are, 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 are blocking. There's a new law that says no Christian GNO can be a part of Indian's culture. And, and there's some horrible things happening in our world. And we want God to bless India, right? We want God to give them favor. We want God, we, we want to you know, just be a part of, of helping those great people. But today we need to pray because if we're not careful, we will cease the passion by which we gave in the first place. Prayer is a part of the passion that you need when you are giving. Someone say amen. So we find here, it says, I want you to excel in this gracious act of giving. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you to do this, but I am testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. We find that in verse 9 that we see this generosity talked about and this great grace it, that Jesus Christ was the ultimate example of. Verse 9 says this, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, amen? How many know that he's rich? That he's rich in his mercy, that he's rich in his grace, that he's rich in his kingdom, that he owns the cattle on 10,000 hills, that he is the king of kings and the Lord. Can I get a witness here today? Yet for your sake, someone shout my sake, he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you rich. We are thankful today that Jesus' sacrifice, his rich, rich grace that he has given to us, takes away our poverty of sin. Paul advises this in verses 10 through 12 of chapter 8. He says, here's my advice. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Let me tell you something. When we make commitments to God, it's good but when, when we are allowed and have the passion to what? Finish what we have started. I know that many of us, including myself, we've made commitments of prayer. We've made commitments in times of struggle and trial and tribulation. We've said, God, if you'll do this, I'll do this. And sometimes because of time passing and the lack of our passion, because we have forgotten where we were, oh, we forget God and his blessings. And in this moment, Paul is advising us all, you need to finish what you started. Someone shout, finish. Last year, he says, you were the first who wanted to give, and you were the first in, being, in doing it. Verse 11, now you should finish what you started. Sometimes life will take away what you started. Can I get an amen? Sometimes life will pull you out of your prayer life. You say, I'm going to commit. I hate New Year's resolutions because they are set up for you to fail. I don't like resolution. I like lifestyle changes where I put myself in a position. I don't know if you men here today will be here next month for men's prayer on the first Saturday of every month. But let me tell you something. There was uh, about 10 guys here yesterday and there was a powerful move of God. There was healing and set free. Can I get an amen from anybody that was here? It was amazing. It was amazing. God moved among us. You have to prioritize. If you don't prioritize your prayer, you'll never remember what you're supposed to finish. Come on now. I knew you were going to get quiet. In fact, I wrote it in my notes right here. They'll be real quiet right now. Um, but listen, I'm going to keep preaching because I'm your pastor. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to take you to a field. I know you love oats and I know you love to have a, some clover. But right now, I'm going to take you to a field where you're going to eat some things that you need to eat in order to clean some stuff out of your life. The thinking that you have, the world's influence in your life. I want to help you as a shepherd take you to places that you need to go. Here's his advice, and it's mine as well. Finish what you have started. We find today that he says in verse 11, Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed from the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Hear me today. Give in proportion to what you have. Someone shout, in proportion. That word means based on what you have, that's what you should be blessed by giving to others. God is not asking for your paycheck. God is asking for you to honor him out of your paycheck. 
God is asking for you to help others out of your giving. Why? Because we have abundance. Today, I would love to be able to put on the screen some of the people that give in this church that have not a lot to give. They don't have, they are on fixed incomes, they have all kinds of things going on in their life. But let me tell you something. I would love to show you how the faithfulness of God has brought blessing into their life. How God has shown them favor and given them things that they would have never received. I am a part of that group that God has blessed me beyond favor. My wife and I, we lost everything in 2018. Or I'm, I'm sorry, in 2008. We lost everything. House, we lost cars, we lost everything for the kingdom. And we said God, and he gave us a promise that he would bless us and redeem us. And he would draw back all that the canker worm had stolen. He would give back that our children would see salvation. And that we would have a promise that the bitterness and anger that tried to destroy us would leave and go away. And I'm here standing in 2023 telling you, that God has been faithful and just and he has provided and made a way. Well, pastor, that's just you. No, I could drag 50 people. There's an individual who's not here today, so I won't call their name, but they were sleeping in their car. And today they are the vice president of the corporation they work for. Because why? They made a commitment to God that said, God, if you'll get me out of this car, I will serve you and I will do what you called me to do. And they worked really hard. They're going to do their own testimony. They told me this last week, a couple weeks, months ago, that they said, I said, will you do, will you tell, they were, I would love to testify. Because it's an amazing testimony that they went from the back seat of their car to being the vice president of the corporation they work for. And I'm here to tell you today uh, that God, God's word is sure and amen that if he promises it, he will provide and do it. You see, it's not that they haven't struggled. It's not that we haven't struggled. You look at my life, my wife, Lord, we have been fighting sickness off and on, pneumonia and vertigo and uh, MS and cancer. That, you, you don't understand, that doesn't dictate our joy. Mm, I, 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 I got to preach this just for a second. Does it mean that I don't have days I wished I had a, a little different outcome? And like, Yeah, no, I have a lot of days that I wish that things were different. But I'm here to tell somebody today that my wife and I stand together and tell you that it's not about all the stuff. It's not all about the things. It's not. You know what it's about? It's about the Lord giving us joy we don't understand. It's about God giving us peace that we don't have an understanding for. We don't understand where it comes from. But I'm here to tell you, I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Brother Brown, Brother Brown, wave at the congregation. Brother Brown's here, shouldn't be here. Uh, no, the doctor said he shouldn't be here, but he's here today, right? Why is Brother Brown here? You got a son that shouldn't be here, but he's here today. Why? Because God is faithful to his promises. Where's our... Armand, our drummer, he shouldn't be here today. Armand shouldn't be playing the drums. I saw him on a breathing tube and the doctors not sure what was going to happen and an asthma attack that about took his life. Uh, but he's here today because God is faithful and he's just and he does what he says he will do. Uh, Thomas Evans, you have two babies that you're not supposed to have. The enemy said you will not have children. The doctor said you can't have children. And God said, I will make a way where there seemeth no way. I'm going to give you... Why? Because he said he would give you the desires of your heart. Oh, we could go through the building today and tell you the miracle signs and wonders. Uh, Dell, who's uh, not able to be there on vacation, but let me tell you something. Uh, he had lupus and God uh, has healed him and set him free. His son had a tumor in the brain and God has removed it and set him free. There is a spirit. Oh. How many believe God's a miracle worker? Come on now. Pastor, I haven't got my miracle. Well, let me tell you something. Don't, don't stop now. Don't stop believing. Stop. Don't, don't stop. I haven't received everything I've prayed for, but that doesn't stop me to continue to pray. Why? Because I serve a faithful God. He has been faithful to me. Someone shout amen. So in verse 12, he says, whatever you give is acceptable. If you give it what? Eagerly. Give proportionally. Give what you can give. Give where you're at. Whatever you give is acceptable to you and give it freely or eagerly. And give according to what you have, not what you what? Come on now, don't have. Someone shout finish. 
uh, we go to verse 13, uh, and the Bible says that there's a, an understanding of equity, an understanding of why, why we need to help others that cannot help themselves. We give to a great, amazing cause of the AMA in Mexico and all that's going on there. And uh, we are uh, looking forward. Last year we sent, uh, yeah, Josh Terrell. And he went to Mexico and did an amazing job representing this church to that city and to those people. This year we're sending Judah. Uh, we're going to send Judah Gonzalez. Why? Because I want to expose these kids to places that need something that they can't do for themselves and that's why God has placed us on this earth we this church hear me today this church has fed Indian children from the streets over 290 kids since eight years ago do the math I can't think of the year uh, eight years ago since then we have helped provide what 1.7 million meals to those children in the country you provided for others we have built one entire this church built one entire orphanage and it stands today and it's beautiful and we're in the middle almost finished with our second orphanage our entire orphanage from bottom to top three floors it's beautiful kitchen and bedrooms and all the things because you said I want to help others we provide around the world wells we have dug wells in Nigeria we have dug wells you have dug wells in Guatemala and Nicaragua and El Salvador we have went we are doing an amazing work through our church body you are doing an amazing work in the country of Colombia and in Ecuador today brother uh, and sister Chocantal are in Spain as we expand where God is taking us and doing things for us we see God's hand we are seeing partnerships from communities outside of this church that are starting to take part and saying wow we want to be a part of what you're doing in Colombia this last week if you saw on brother and sister Chocantal's pages the last several weeks you'll see that our father's house a children's ministry there in Cali Colombia is off the ground they now have 65 five kids that are showing up every single day they're influencing moms and dads and children for the salvation of their household why because they cannot do for themselves and out of our abundance God has blessed us so much that we have in turn blessed others but we've got to finish what we've started we've got to continue in the faith watch this here as we move quickly as I close here in a minute in a few minutes the scripture says those who what in verse 14 right now you have plenty right watch this let me read verse 13 of course I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourself give out of what you have I only mean that there should be some equity right now you have plenty and can help those who are in need later they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it in this way things will be equals as the scripture says and he quotes the Old Testament in verse 15 those who gather a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough balancing the burden of giving and receiving is a part of the kingdom plan we find that Paul he helps he helps us understand or see the principles here in chapter 9 of second Corinthians of the sowing and the reaping I'm speaking to somebody today I want to help you out of your abundance out of your blessings I fear in this hour that our blessings are what is going to take us away from the kingdom of God that our blessings will be so abundant that we will think it's by our hand and not the hand of God that we will think that we can do without God and I'm here to tell you that I have never in my 35 years of serving uh, as a pastor in various different ways I'm here to tell you I've never seen that end very well the wages of sin is still death the gift of God is eternal life don't let the enemy suck you into believing that you're your own God and can bless yourself I'm just gonna leave that sit there I'm gonna leave that sit there because the world is trying to convince you that through technology hear me 
through your own mind and your own ways that we can somehow formulate things to be our own spiritual leader, our own God, our own provider. I'm here to tell you, God is here to remind us, finish what you started. We find that it's here in chapter uh, 9, verse 6. He says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a what? Small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous cop, crop. We find in verse 7, it says, uh, and we can see uh, this cheerful giver come to us now. In verse 7, you must each decide in your heart. Everybody say, in my heart. So my question today for us is, how is your heart? The scripture tells us that no man knows his own heart, but God knows the heart. But we can purpose towards what God has in our heart. We can strive towards the high calling of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the question I have for myself and for you is, how's my heart? Because if my heart is not right, I will never make the right decision. I will choose my flesh over the kingdom of God every single time. He says here, uh, uh, decide in your heart and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I've, I've, I've stated this over and over again in this church. This is a part. I don't speak about giving every Sunday. Do I? Come on now, someone help me. Do I tell you every week, now you better give and do I, be, do I ever come to you individually and be, bow, browbeat you and tell you you got to give more? No. Why? Because you would be now giving out of pressure and not out of your heart. I know I pastor differently, and I have a lot of pastors that say I'm crazy, but I believe I'm just crazy enough to believe God's word is true. That God's people know his word. And that if I preach the truth, then God's word will settle and go into the crevices of their heart and do what it's called to do. I cannot, mm, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I'm not lying from head to toe. I'm, every hair in my body is standing on end. Because I'm going to tell you right now, God's blessing is here for you. I'm not saying he won't bless you. I'm saying living in his blessing. Living in a place where you are living the blessed life. A life that comes from obedience to God and his word. You must decide in your own heart what you will give. Today, this is the first Sunday that I have spoke about giving this entire year. And you'll hear more about that, I'm sure, in the coming months. But I'm here to tell you, I, I, I don't, it's not that I shy away from it. I am trying to use this moment to help you see this is not about me or the church or the people in Columbia. This is about you and your household and your blessing and your life and what God is going to do for you. It's not about others. It's about God. Paul wrote and said what? Don't give out of, out of this, but I am testing you, he said. The abundance of your love. So we must each decide. Watch this. For God loves a person who... Music, can you come? God loves a person who what? I can't hear you. What? And God will generously provide all that you need. Then, I shout then... What does it tell you? It's a precursor. That word then, right there, then. It means that if I don't do all that was before this, then what's fixing to be said is not going to come to pass. This is like, if you clean up your room, then I'll give you cookies. If they don't clean up their room, you don't give them cookies. Are you hearing me? This word then is a very important word because sometimes we gloss over it because the blessing, living in a blessed life is dependent on your obedience to God. Here we go. What does it say? Then, if I shout then, you will always, this was my text today, then you will always have what? Everything that you need. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? All these things will be what? Added to you. There is a concept that man struggles with. It's the enemy. You see, a lot of us come from a life of scarcity. So when we get something, we hoard it, thinking that it's all we're ever going to get. 
thinking that I've got to protect this in a way that nobody touches it because I have never had it before and I don't know how I'm going to get it again. So therefore, I'm going to hold my fist tight instead of what? Open it up and know that what God gave me before, he'll give me again. He's entrusting me to help others in Jerusalem. A life of scarcity will bring you to a point of, of just frustration. It will hurt you. Because scarcity is real. Scarcity is a part of our everyday life. And many, many, if not most of us, understand that. We have this place where if we're not careful, we will think that we can save ourselves and rely on ourselves. But God is challenging us as a church body and as a people of God to be more generous than we have ever been. If you're a part of this church body and, and you're not giving regularly, that's between you and God. But I'm going to tell you something, that you will be blessed beyond measure when you partner with people that are doing God's work. There are people among us. Look, you have to understand that God is trying to change your heart and your mind. He's trying to change your, what? Ability to be blessed. Live in the blessing of God. Live the blessed life. Not just get the fringes of blessings. Here we find in verse uh, nine it says and the plenty and the plenty left over to share with others as the scripture says they share freely and give generously to the poor their good deeds will be remembered forever today I want you to recognize that God is trying to move us to a place of abundance he's moving us you already give so amazingly. We do so many things. You're going to hear about a bunch of things this fall with the four main things. We give through AMA, which is, means love in Spanish. We give through uh, uh, Global Grace, which is an amazing 100% charity. We give through uh, Darvita and, and Revive. We give uh, in this coming season. We're going to add another one called One Child. You're going to hear about One Child and what God is going to help us do with that. But we also give locally. We, we are looking proactively trying to find those that we can partner with in our local communities because our local community is as important as any foreign community. There are things that we must do to reach out. We cannot allow lack to dictate what we do. We cannot allow trouble to dictate our attitude of joy. We cannot, oh, can I get an amen? We cannot allow, what? our own condition to prevent us from being a blessing to someone else. God is trying to speak to us. In today's communion, as Pastor Stefan comes, you're going to receive this body of Christ, this blood of Jesus. We commemorate it today, the first Sunday of the month. I hope you really think about all that Christ has done for you about the sacrifice that he made for you on Calvary. I pray that you will understand that his giving was to be an example to us. He gave blindly to others, and we also need to give unto others as we have been blessed. We give in two places. We give to our foreign lands and we give here locally. We give here to turn on the lights and run the air and turn on the sound and have screens and be presentable to the community. I want to redo the men's bathroom. Does anybody else want to see the men's bathroom totally redone in, in Jesus? Yeah, I got one person over here. Right, right. Uh, we redone the ladies, and it's time. We, how many like what we've done with the foyer out there? And it's so pretty. And, right? You say, why do we do that? So that we are presentable. So people walk in, they want to be a part. We have new families asking to be a part of us every week, and we find that God is moving amongst us. But here's the deal. We need your help to complete the vision that God has set before us. To go love this community. The Lord is waiting on every one of us to commit in our own hearts. To recognize that I cannot freeload on the house of God. I, oh, I'm going to say it again. I've got to be a part of what God. You say, well that sounds like pressure. No, I hope it doesn't. If you feel pressure, it's because you're feeling guilty, maybe? I don't know. But uh, I feel like the pressure is not from me. It's from the Word of God. So, uh, I'm going to preach. So, let your hearts be opened up to not this, but this. And let, test God. Test God. Paul said, I'm testing you, Corinthians. 
you should test God see that his word is true and unequivocally true that he said if you give he will give to you you will what does it say you will never need another thing the word need there is not want by the way someone say amen so recognize today I'm appealing to you from the word of God as your senior pastor to tell you we need your continued partnership not because no we have vision that's greater than what we the resources that we have our children's ministry is blowing up we just re, if you have not seen the children's ministry we just remodeled the whole children's ministry why because our kids are important you want to see our youth ministries we just remodeled the whole youth room why because our teenagers are important why because if we don't uh, somebody's gonna get their attention let me just say it like that and if we don't get their attention then somebody else is gonna get their attention and they don't have the things of God in their heart for them we want to show them raise them up in the way they should go and when they are old they should follow how many are thankful we got this whole sanctuary repainted thank you brother uh, Obajinsky we got everything we got things are looking good we got doors to finish we got some things to do still God is helping us accomplish that but we have a world that needs to hear about Jesus so we invest in the kingdom you invest in the kingdom God is calling some of you to begin some of you to finish what you started I want you to think about that in your heart today can you stand with us all right now in Jesus name so this morning, Pastor has delivered a word on the blessed line. On what it looks like to be blessed, the process that we go through to receive blessing. And as I'm listening, he kept saying a word earlier. Y'all, if you've ever had personal conversations with him, sometimes it gets real excited. Even in personal conflict, like one-on-one. He kept saying, talking about posture. And I was thinking about the importance of our posture, like not like our like physical standing. You know, my chiropractor tells me I need to change my posture and I just say, be done in Jesus' name. I'm not talking about that type of posture. But the way that we stand and the way that we project ourselves from the inside, there is power in correct posture. There is blessing in the way we position ourselves. If we face the things of God, if I place myself in a, in a posture that is not based upon what I possess, that's not based upon my past. If my posture is not based on my problems, and my, my, but my, my, my posture is based upon the goodness of God, on the greatness of God. If I stand according to the promises of God, not, not the promises of my parents or the, the promises of my past, but the promises of God, there is power in that posture there is power in the potential that comes from the word of god over my life and so when we think about blessing you see paul said this like like when when, when he, he said this church in macedonia they had a posture Giving that was so great it wasn't based upon their means it wasn't based upon their wealth it wasn't based upon their ability but it was based upon the fact that they responded to the power of God they responded by the word of God they remembered what God had done for them they remember where God brought them out of 
They remembered the restoration that was brought in their homes. And they remembered what God had done in their children. They remembered what God had done in their community. And so they said, I cannot give enough because God has been so good to me. There is power in that posture. So this morning, Andrew Presley, can you come help me for just a second? I'll just grab him. Travis and Travis, can you come and help me? Usually I ask y'all earlier, but I just wanted you not to be able to say no. So, so I'm just calling you out now. Will you stand over here? We're about to take communion. And there are some that you are just thriving in the blessings of God. You are just lapping it up and just loving it up and just living your best life. Living the life that God has called you to. And I am so grateful. I am so proud of this church. With just embracing how good God has been to us just been speaking life. I've had conversations. I told you, like, I, there, there was like a season where I was just, all of us, every conversation, oh, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Some of y'all was listening to me like, oh, Pastor, you going to make it? I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to make it. But we've been continuing to speak life. We can speak, continue to speak victory, continue to speak hope and joy and peace. Some of you are living in that. And you know what it's like to say, you know what, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I am more than a conqueror because of Christ Jesus. But there are still some of us that are, we haven't gotten to that place yet. And that's okay. Because that doesn't change the goodness of God. That doesn't change the fact that he is for you and he, if he be for you, who can be against you? Just because we don't see it yet, just because we're not there yet, just because I'm not lapping it up yet, that doesn't mean that God's not good, that God's not working for you, that God's not still speaking over you, that God's not still blessing you, that God is still not showing himself mighty in your life. He still is good. He still is strong. He still is mighty. He still is able. He's still making ways where there seemeth to be no way. Are you here today? Yes, you are. Why? Because of the goodness of God. So here's what I'm going to say. That's okay if you're not there. Keep on checking your posture. Because this is what his word says. His word says that he will never leave us nor forsake us, but will go with us until the very ends. So as we prepare to take communion today, here's what I want to say. Jesus said that this is my body that was broken for you. Pastor, he said, as often as you do, do in remembrance of me. Remember the things that I endured so that you could have life. Remember the pain that I had to, to bring into my body so that you could live. Remember the gift that I gave you. Remember. And so then he says he passes around the cup and says that this wine, this is my, my blood that was shed for you. He says, take a drink. As often as you do this, do Remember that you once were sinners, all alone on your own, having to hold it together, having to try and navigate this life on your own. But remember that the blood of Jesus has washed you, has cleansed you, has delivered you. There is nothing that you can do to make yourself good. But because of this blood that I have shed for you, now you are called righteous. Remember. But as you remember, it's not a passive process. 
your remembrance should spur you on to continue to share and to continue to, to pass on the goodness of God to others. So those of you that are living in the blessings of God, you need to remember the voice of God saying, this is not just unto you, but it's unto your children and your children's children and all of those that are afar off. There are some people that are in desperate need of what you have to give and that is the power of God that is in your life. Someone needs to remember the posture. This is where giving comes from. So this morning, I'm going to invite you from wherever you are. I don't know why you always ask me to do this. Because I... I do. Because I'm not a true... When I do this, it's a real personal experience for me. So I'm really terrible at leading others with me along with taking communion. So what I'm going to ask you to do is as you come, Paul told the, the church in Corinth in Corinthians chapter 1, he says this, he says, before you do this, examine yourself. So I'm going to invite you, as you, you can come on out. Hopefully you're listening to the directions as you come. I'm going to invite you to come. Come on up and grab. You can stay up here with us. That's perfectly fine. Just go to the edges. You can come sit on the, the stairs. That's fine. You can go back to your seat. It's fine. I'm okay. I'm fine. However you want to do But I'm going to invite you to first examine yourself. Examine yourself. If there are some things that you need to say, God, I need to give this over to you. God, please forgive me. Please do that. Take a minute. Take a minute and do some and repent of some things and say, God, I'm going to leave some things behind. God, as a family, we're going to leave some things behind. God, there's some things that I'm going to lay on the altar that as a family, we're going to lay as an altar, as a, as a, as a community, we're going to lay on the altar. And God, I'm going to uh, get myself in a place where in a posture that is facing you totally. And then I'm going to invite you, as you like, you can take the, the, the bread or the, 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 the juice, however you'd like to do that. But I want you to take it in remembrance of what God has done for you. I want you to, to take it as a reminder that he gave his life so that you could live. I want you to take it so that as a remembrance that he broke the bonds of sin and death and now we have liberty and life more but also as a reminder that we are someone else's blessing that we can give not based on our means not based on our ability but based on the goodness of him and through that through that blessing pouring out into our children and our children's children. We live a blessed life. We're blessed in return. So you want blessing today? Someone needs to remember. You want blessing in your home? You want peace in your home? Please have a posture of remembrance. If you want joy on your job, please, someone today, just take a minute to remember. Somebody, you want joy unspeakable today? Take this moment. So as the worship team, they're going to sing. They're going to take turns to take their own communion. As they sing, I'm going to invite you to participate in communion as families, as units, in remembrance of what God has done, is doing, and will do. Once you're done, feel free to go. God, I pray blessings over you. But know that God is going before us and doing incredible things. God bless you. If you would like prayer, there's going to be some leaders up here after you take your communion. We'd be happy to pray with you. God bless you. Here I stand.